Hey there, everyone. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, and I am your host, Dana Shea. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are beginning a series about overcoming disappointments in our relationships. And you all, I think this is a series that is so, it's so special to me because I love listening to people's problems. It's the pastor in me, right? And not only listening to people's problems, but really pointing them in the direction of light and freedom. And so, yes, we're talking about disappointment. And yes, none of us want to be disappointed. And yes, we're going to have to talk about the problems that we face. But I hope that at the end of this series that you walk away feeling like you're floating on air because you are released from the burdens and the struggles and the pressures of life. Now, your problems are not all going to go away, of course. However, I hope that through these episodes, you are going to find how to actually manage your problems, how to manage your disappointments, how to give your burdens to Jesus. And I don't mean that in a superficial religious way. We are actually going to walk that out in this series. So today we have the privilege of having with us Hallie Lord. Hallie has written a couple of books and her latest is actually Falling Home, Creating a Life That Catches You When You Fall. One really amazing thing about Hallie is that she has eight children. No, I didn't misspeak. I said eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight children ranging from ages three to 17. And I was laughing as I was reading her book because she talks about how she's had a child born in her car, a child born in her bed, two children born in her bathroom, and then the rest were born in hospitals. But the funny thing about it is I actually have a car birth story. I wish we would have talked about it in the episode, but we didn't get there. But we did talk about a lot of other really incredible things, such as how to make peace with the unfinished work in our lives. Hallie actually walks us through why her marriage crumbled and how she knew it was time for her to get divorced. Now, I want to say something very clearly up front. Obviously, if you guys have been following me for a while, you know that I am a huge proponent of marriage. This whole podcast, Real Relationship Talk, is primarily focused on strengthening and encouraging marriages. And um, I just want to just be very clear that we are not promoting or endorsing divorce. However, I really think that it's very important that we talk to people who have been through divorce and who have actually struggled in that decision because many of you have also been divorced and many of you are struggling with what to do in your marriages right now. And so I think that you're going to find a lot of value out of our conversation. It's not just about divorce. We're really talking about disappointment and we're talking about how to actually make peace with all of the unexpected things that life throws our way, which is all of us. So sit back and enjoy this really beautiful conversation with my guest, author and speaker, Hallie Lord. Hallie. Well, this is this is going to be great. I'm excited. I don't I know where this <laughs> I was like I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but we have much much to talk about. Oh, we do and those are my favorite conversations. The ones where it just feels like you're sitting down for coffee and like seeing with the spirit and inspiration leads. Absolutely. I think the thing off the bat, of course, we're going to talk all about your book, Falling Home. And as I told you before we started recording, I read it cover to cover. It felt like I've known you for years. Like I was like, oh, when we get on this podcast, this will be a piece of cake because I already know her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That means a lot. That's what I wanted to create. Yeah, yeah. Well, for people who don't know you, I think the thing that is probably the most unique about your story is the fact that you have eight children. 
Like, I do. I'm insane. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's wild about that is that I never thought I was going to have a big family. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. something I grew up coveting. Um, I actually went through a pretty long period of time where I was like, I don't know if I want to have kids at all. You know, I had these dreams of like traveling the world and being like footloose and fancy free. And uh, it's just such a, a great example of how like nobody has any idea what's going to happen in life. Like it's all a wild ride and an adventure. And it's really taught me to be open to those like different movements that you don't expect in your life. Like some really crazy, exciting, beautiful things can come out of them if you're open to them. Yeah. So when you got married, was it something that you guys talked about? Was it like, you know, hey, we kind of want to have a big family or was it just like, this is going great. Let's just keep going. No, I think I we by the time I got married, um, I, I think I still had some fear. You know, I remember doing these calculations, like if I spread them this far apart, I'll have this many. But I knew that I wanted at least four. And then the common question you always get or that I got when I was having my babies was, are you going to have more? And for me, it was always like, I discerned kind of between each child, like, am I in a place where I can have another child? Do I feel like God's calling me to have another child? Like I never had a plan, which is kind of typical of my personality. It was just, let's see what I feel in the moment, you know, Mm. and no one was more surprised than I that I felt like eight was the number. And one thing that was funny about that is my cousin has four. And I remember having a conversation with her after she had her fourth, where she was like, I feel like we're done. Like, I just, I I sense it. I know. And I was like, I kept having these babies. I'm like, am I ever going to feel that? You know, like, am I ever going to feel that? And then I had eight and I was like, no, this is, this is the number. Like I felt what she was talking about. So, yeah. Yeah, that's so special. I was asking you before the recording, can you give me their ages? And yes. so I'm going to just and I had list. To, I had to really think through them. So thank you for reading that. <laughs> you did, you did. So 17, like I, 16, yeah. 14, 13, 11, 8, 5, and 3. Yeah, and the 11, 13, and 15-year-old are all girls. So wow. I'm really being refined by fire right now. Oh, <laughs> They're yes. wonderful. And I love seeing their passions develop. And I adore them. I don't know that there's anything I've ever done in my life that is as difficult as raising preteen and teen girls. Like that's intense. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's so interesting because I have four and I feel like I have a small family now. Um, (laughs) It's so funny. Like whenever we travel, people are like, you have such a large family. And I'm like, really? Because it doesn't, four kids doesn't seem like a whole large family. But I think, so I have three boys and a girl and boys are easy, so much more easy than girls. Oh, they my are word. everyone before I became a parent, like boys are crazy. They'll be like jumping off things and crawling up the walls. And I'm like, I mean, I guess they're energetic, but when it comes to just rearing them, so to speak, oh my gosh, they're so much easier. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So a big portion of the book, Hallie, is all about the unexpected. And that's yeah. the thing that I feel like so many times there's a quote. I just want to start off like I'm just jumping right in. There's a quote in the book. Um, this is on page five in the first chapter. You said, 
it was all I knew. So you were talking about, you know, starting therapy and you talk about like yes. your values, what's a, such a high value for therapy. And the episode, a couple episodes ago, we talked to Dr. Janie Lacey, who's a psychotherapist. And so we were talking all about, you know, mental health and how much that right. is happening in our society and how there's been so much, so much of a spotlight on mental health now, which I think is so important. We I all have too. issues, you know, right. um, every single one of us. And so, but one, one thing that you said that I love, you said, it was all I knew. We tend to cling to the familiar. And then you said it was better for me to remain safe, even if safety mm. meant misery. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is obviously it's a relationship podcast. And how many people are stuck in miserable relationships yeah. because it's familiar? It's right. just what they know. Right. And it's it's harder to step outside of the familiar. So what was that like for you when you got to a place that you said, you know what, I don't, I'm stuck and I don't want to be here. And yes, it's scary on the other side, but I've got to cross over. What was that like for you? Yeah. So I think for me, so much of the stuff I write in the book is conclusions that I came to once I had gotten to the other side of it, you know, in retrospect. And for me, I knew that there were a lot of problems in my marriage. And frankly, I knew it before I was married. And it's kind of one thing I say to people is like, if I could give you one piece of advice, go to therapy before you get married, because we bring a lot of baggage into marriage. And there were things that I was trying to escape. There was things that I was blind to. There were patterns, dysfunctional patterns that I was repeating. Mm -hmm. And um, just for listeners who don't know, I actually did end up getting divorced earlier this year. And, um, I was married for 18 years in part. Um, I don't talk a lot about the details cause I like to protect my kids. Um, but in part because my parents were divorced and it was very difficult for me. And so I had this one rule, this one thing, which was like, no matter what, I'm not getting divorced, but I knew there were problems. And so I have a dear friend named Jeremy And he told me about some of the work that he'd done in therapy and he lives in the same town I did. And I was like, okay, well, you know, give me your psychiatrist number. And I made an appointment and I walked in and basically in my head, I was like, I just want to know how to deal with this situation. You know, I'm not making any big changes. We're not doing anything crazy here. I just want to get, I want to be mentally healthy so that I can figure out how to deal with this situation better so that I can give my kids that intact home, which is a beautiful, beautiful goal. Um, And, and I will say, there's been a lot of healing, and there's been a lot of grace. And I have absolutely no regrets. But divorce is very difficult. And it is very painful for everyone. And so it was always like my one thing, I'm not going to do it. And so I started going to therapy and working with my therapist. And I even told him like, Therapy, I mean, divorce is off the table. Like I'm not doing it. Like don't even bring it up with me. But we kept working together. And what I came to see was I was kind of in a no-win situation, which was that, yes, you can stay in the marriage and you can spare everyone divorce. But, you know, speaking of therapy, um, patterns repeat. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of really dysfunctional, borderline abusive patterns that I didn't want my daughters and sons to carry on into their adult lives. And so I had this choice to make, like, divorce is difficult, but staying in this marriage is also destructive. 
And which do I think creates the most beautiful, healthy, thriving future for my children? And so it was very unexpected that I ended up getting a divorce. Um, 18 years and eight kids, you don't really see that coming. But I see so much healing already. Mm -hmm. I see so many beautiful things. And it's hard. And there are tears. And there is anger. And there is confusion. But I just see healthy patterns emerging. Um, And so to kind of speak to your question about the unexpected, I would say one, um, follow you wherever, I mean, follow wherever God leads, you know, even if it does feel unfamiliar or scary, or you're afraid of the outcome. Two, when you're thinking about the future, and you're afraid of something, I think we all spend a lot of time perseverating on all the ways it's going to be terrible. And we feel fear all the bad things that are going to happen. But what I learned is sometimes, well, first of all, when we're thinking about the future, we should try to discipline ourselves to spend at least an equal amount of time saying, how could this have a good ending? This Mm -hmm. thing that I'm scared of, what gifts and graces could it give me? Because we spend a lot of time thinking about how it's going to hurt and how it's going to make us miserable and how it's scary. And we don't spend a lot of time gravitating toward, well, what could the good be? What could the light be? What could the healing be? So I would say, that's a good practice to get into to say, I'm scared of these things. These are my fears, but what could possibly good, what possible good could come out of them. Um, And then the second thing I would say is we all have those things that we're terrified of um, and we try to avoid and we try to escape. Uh, We also have things that come upon us that we never saw coming the death of a loved one or, you know, a pandemic, you know, and I'm finding the older I get and the more life experience I have that sometimes it's those really, really scary, frightening things that shake something loose inside of us that was stuck and force us to be honest with ourselves and force us to do the scary things and doing those scary things, wrestling with that stuff is such fruitful, fertile ground for growth and evolution. And so, yes, you can stay safe and you cannot do the hard thing and you can hide and you can get in the fetal position. I've spent hours in it myself, but it's those moments when the scary hard things come that make you emerge and fight and um, become the best, healthiest, strongest, most passionate, inspired version of yourself. And so I've come to really love those hard moments because I know that without them, I would be very stunted as a human being. I'd be stunted in my relationship with God. Um, And so I don't like going through them. Like I, you know, you're going to hear me complaining and whining as much, if not more than the next person, but I am Mm -hmm. starting to begrudgingly admit that those are the things that um, help me to build the most beautiful life that um, I can create. Ladies, guess what? I'm super excited to announce to you my new group coaching class called Wife Life. That's right. 
This group coaching class is going to be for wives and soon-to-be wives, women who are engaged to be married, who want to go deeper in their relationships with their husbands and deeper in their relationships with one another. You guys, I have been in several group coaching classes, and if I can give you a little secret, you not only glean from the wisdom of the main coach, which is me, but you are also going to glean from the wisdom and the stories and the encouragement and the support of each other. I want to encourage those of you who, for whatever reason, haven't been able to get started with individual coaching or even relationship coaching. Group coaching is going to blow your socks off. You are going to be so glad that you are a part of this initial class. I cannot wait to see you in this session. So here's the deal. For more information and all the deets, head over to danashay.com forward slash coaching. That's danashay, D-A-N-A-C-H-E dot com forward slash coaching and look for the group coaching tab. Go ahead and enter your email and I will send you all the information that you need to know. I'm super excited about this session. You guys, we are going to go higher. We are going to be better wives and our husbands are going to be the happy recipients of everything that we're going to learn. So I will see you in the Wife Life class. Talk soon. So I want to I want to kind of go back to the beginning of your story for people who are unfamiliar. Yeah. So you just said you had been married for 18 years. You all have eight children. You started mm-hmm. seeing these cracks along the way in your marriage. Right. And at that time, you're thinking, we're going to deal with this. You know, maybe right. we'll go, maybe we'll do couples therapy or what have right. you. You know, we're going right. to deal with this. We're going to we're going to make it. Um, divorce is not an option, which is right. a great thing to say. I think it's a great goal. It's a worthy goal. You're a woman of faith. I'm a woman of faith. We believe, right. you know, in yes. the the health of the the family, right? The nuclear Absolutely. family. Absolutely. Um, so my question to you is, how did you get to the point where, because you were doing the work, you were seeing a therapist. Right. How did you get to the point where you knew okay, this is not going to change. I know you just talked about like those patterns of behavior. And I think for people listening right now who are, many of them are in similar situations where they're doing the work. Maybe they're seeing a therapist or a coach or they're, um, they're, they're reading on their own or what have you. And they're, they're wondering, is this all there is to life? Is this going to continue on this way? So when and where, like, if you remember even where you were, (laughs) <laughs> Did you get to that place where you were like, okay, this is, this is enough. I'm going to have yeah. to exit here. Right. So um, what happened with me is I think when it comes to marriage, if there are two people who are like, maybe we don't feel in love anymore. Maybe we fight constantly. Maybe, maybe there's even infidelity, but they're like, I'm furious at you. I'm furious at you. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong, but we want to work on this. You know, um, I say fight as hard and as long as you can. Um, for me, uh, without giving too much away, there were some mental health issues that I came to understand. And I actually do remember I was reading online Um, And my psychiatrist helped me to understand, like, this is what you're dealing with. And these are the choices you have to make. And I came to understand that um, there would be no healing. And that, in fact, like, even within the DSM, I forget what it stands for, uh, but the mental health, like, Bible, that what I was dealing with, um, there's almost never a path forward. Mm. Um, And so it was like, I can endure this. And I need to accept that it's not going to change. 
And I think, um, honestly, if I didn't think it would hurt my kids, I would have endured it for them. Um, but what I came to understand with my psychiatrist, I think this is a pretty rare um, situation, um, was that it's going to stay this way for the most part. And your kids are watching and they're learning from you what relationships look like and what treatment of one another looks like. And so for me, it was like, if I had any hope, even if it would take like a decade, um, that we could create a healthy environment for the kids and that they would not carry these patterns on with them, I would have tried to stick it out. Um, but when there is a situation um, that is hurting the kids and that there doesn't seem to be a path to healing or one member isn't willing to work on it or isn't interested in changing, that's when I start to say, is it better to live apart? Yeah. 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 Now, how did you reconcile your faith to all of that? Because I'm sure, and then you're, you're Catholic on top of that. So right, I think, right. you know, even, so yeah, even yeah. in most Protestant denominations, divorce is not, it's, it's frowned upon, right? Right. right. Catholics, I think have a, to the nth degree. And so how did yeah. you reconcile your faith with, okay, I know that from a mental health standpoint, or even from a safety standpoint, this is the decision that I need to make. Right. But my faith over here, like, how did you reconcile the two? Yeah. Um, there is definitely a stigma against divorce. And there's definitely within the Catholic church, there's definitely a big emphasis on like, you know, marriage is forever. Um, but the official teaching is that some, that no one is, has to stay in an abusive or an oppressive or a, um, any kind of situation that is hurting you psychologically mm -hmm. or bodily. And um, so I don't think I ever felt like I was wrestling with my faith. Um, it's certainly been a challenge to endure other people thinking that you know what's going on in your life and um, passing judgment on you. Mm -hmm. But in terms of me and my faith and my relationship with it, I always felt that I was doing what God would want and that there was harmony there. Um, so that's not something I wrestled with so much, but um, I think I would say to anyone Protestant or Catholic, culturally speaking within our faith, I think there are a lot of um, things that we think are true about our faith because it's what you see culturally. It's what you hear even from like the pulpit, but when you really dig deep into like, what does the core of my faith actually teach? Um, what I found is like, yes, fight for your marriage. It should be a thing that you commit to for forever. But um, there's absolutely nothing in my faith that said, if you are in a dysfunctional, damaging, abusive relationship, that you shouldn't leave. So that wasn't so much of a, a difficulty for me. I think that if I was in a situation where it was like, oh, we just don't like each other very much anymore. And I kind of, or I like this guy over there. I want to see what's going on with him. Or maybe I just want my independence. That would have been harder for me uh, to reconcile. I don't think I could without lying to myself. But um, for me, I think my mother's heart guided me as, as, strange as that might seem to say, because my kids have been put through a lot, but I wanted to fight for them to have a happy, healthy future. 
That's good. You know, speaking of your mother's heart, my next, that was going to be kind of where I was going to go next is how did you get your kids through this? As a mom, I'm sure that, you know, from the 17-year-old down to the three, the three-year-old probably doesn't understand a whole lot of what's going on. So what did you do intentionally to kind of let your kids know this is what's happening and this is how we're going to get through it? Yeah. Uh, My one guiding principle was to make it clear to them that I was a safe place that they could say whatever they wanted. They could be angry at me. They could be frustrated. Um, and that I love them unconditionally and I wanted to hear how they felt. And we were a team and I wanted to have that flow of communication. And, um, we've spent a lot of hours just like laying in my bed, you know, mm-hmm. and just being together. And, um, it's actually been one of the most beautiful things that I've seen on the other side of divorce is that um, I think for the first time in their life, they feel like they're really being heard Mm -hmm. and that they are safe and that they can be and do and say what they feel inspired to be and do and say and feel and all of that. Um, So I don't think there's a magic formula to make it okay, to make it better, to make it easy. But I think that a lot of damage is done when you're like, I'm the parent, this is what's happening. You don't have a say in it, like get in line. Um, But to say to them, yeah, you know, you have a right to be hurt and angry and confused and sad. And I'm here to receive that. And none of this is your fault. And I'm not going to take it personally, but I'm going to let you feel what you need to feel. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's so empowering for them too to know. And and your family is very close. Like I, I can see that. Even the way that you yeah. talk about your husband Dan throughout the book, yeah. Right. I was like at the end because at the end of falling home, right. you're you not divorced yet, right? Yeah. And so, um, I you know I knew beforehand. Um, that you all did make that decision. But I think, you know, just kudos to you for how you've painted him, even in this book. Um, (laughs) It's, I don't, you know, I don't, I I know a lot of people struggle with that when you're going through something with your spouse to still be able to present them to the world where you're not faking it. And you're not saying this person doesn't have any issues, but you're still honoring um, the integrity of that person. You're still saying, even though there's issues in our relationship. And I think that for parents to be able to model that to their children is super important, you know? And I think it almost is a continuation of my last answer, which was that, I never wanted to saddle my kids with something that they didn't need to be saddled with. Mm -hmm. And their mom writing a book where she tells the world all the reasons she's angry with their father and all the things that she perceives he's done wrong. um, That's, that's a big burden for kids to carry. And so um, I always wanted to find that balance between being honest, but also trying to remain optimistic and positive and highlight the good in people. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the things that you talk about in the book is these hidden treasures. Now, I know that you're talking about another right. couple that you knew, um, but I also want to read this quote because I, I'm going to ask okay. you a question um, as far as the hidden treasures. And I think that that's something really important that if we're intentional, we can find hidden treasures in any person and in any situation. And so one of the things that you wrote, you said, everyone has baskets full of loveliness hidden within them, just waiting to be discovered by the curious besotted. So I wanted to know, Hallie, what hidden treasures have you found in yourself 
going through this whole process? Um, I found that I'm very strong when it comes time to do the hard thing. Um, I felt very small for many years. I felt very scared. But I've one thing I've learned about myself is that like when it comes to finally saying, I see what I have to do, and it is hard and it is scary and it is painful, but I am convicted that it's the right thing to do, I will do the hard, scary thing. Um, I also have found that I can be that safe place for my kids. Uh, for a lot of t- years, it was convoluted for me, um, kind of this tension between being a united front with your spouse, which I think in most healthy relationships is a very important, beautiful thing to do. And also saying, I have to diverge from my then husband on this point, because what I think he is doing or saying, I believe is hurtful to my kids. And I didn't do that well for a really long time. And so I'm proud of myself for now being in a place where I can show them there is a safe place for you to express yourself. And um, you can say all those things that maybe you didn't feel safe saying for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I guess in summary, I'm proud of myself or, or the treasure that I see is that when it comes time to do the hard things, I don't shy away from them Mm -hmm. once I'm convicted that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And kind of going back to what we were discussing earlier, that it's through those hard things, it's through those catastrophic events, whether it be a a sudden bout of depression that you weren't, you know, looking to experience, whether it be a divorce or a death or we're still in COVID-19, right? I mean, what, regardless of what it is, I do believe that those things like you said, you know, are catalysts to show us what's really inside. It's like the tea bag. Like I love tea, herbal tea. And I'm always just struck with the hotter the water, the more beautiful the flavors come out. If you put a tea bag. That's a great analogy. Yeah. It's like if you put a tea bag in lukewarm water, it's like it's everything that's in that bag is not going to come out. But if you put it in the boiling water and you let it steep (laughs) inside that water for a long time, then all of the, you know, the oils from the tea and the beauty, the richness, the texture, all of that stuff is going to come out. And I think that that is another beautiful blessing when we do go through these hard times, because they're coming for all of us. You know, none of us can inoculate our lives from pain and from heartache and from disappointment. And so I want to know, Hallie, how can people, because we know this in our head, we're like, okay, we know that life isn't perfect. We're going to go through things, but how can we learn to be more proactive instead of reactive when these things occur? I think it comes down to setting yourself up for success. And what I mean by that is I'm seeing a lot of people right now look back on the last year and say, I've gained a lot of weight. I was really short with my kids. My house is a disaster. Um, I haven't been praying. And a lot of people are being really hard on themselves. And I would say what you should be doing right now is saying this last year was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. And I did it. I got through it and I showed up and I loved my people to the best of my ability and really meditate on that and thank yourself and um, cheer yourself on and celebrate yourself. Because when you're standing in a position where you look back on hard things that you've been through and you say, I got through it, I was strong, I did it, I grew, then you're gonna have that inner confidence to face the new challenges uh, with a little more like 
spunk and confidence, you know? I think that if we go through hard things and all we do is beat ourselves up about the things we got wrong and the thing, the areas that we didn't excel, or maybe we deny how hard it really was, well, then when another hard thing comes, you look back on the past and you're like, every time a hard thing comes, I'm a disaster and I fail. And it makes it a lot scarier. Yeah, that's a great reminder. I think, you know, many of us are very hard on ourselves and even taught sometimes that you have to learn from your weaknesses, you have to learn from your failures, which is all true. But I think what you're saying is learn from your weaknesses, learn from your failures, but also learn the good things, you know, learn the ways that you did excel. And, you know, one of my favorite memories, um, I tell this, I feel like I tell this story all the time to like my friends. I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast before, but there was this one moment where I have four kids. My youngest is Colin. So he's, you know, like the baby of the family and he loves to draw me pictures and all these things. And so anyway, one day it was just a really a bad mom day. Like I was just, (laughs) you know, I was like yelling at them all, you know, it was just, I was having a terrible day and I was feeling so guilty and ashamed because I'm like, I said, I wasn't going to yell anymore. You know, and here (laughs) I find myself yelling at them again. And so I was, in the bathroom like doing my hair and I heard this like crash in my bedroom and I'm like what is that noise so I go out in the bedroom and and I was like on the brink of tears in the bathroom like curling my hair you know like I can't believe I keep getting this wrong you know oh pull your stuff together and so I hear this crash in my bedroom I walk into the room and there's nothing out of place except for this picture frame and so I pick up the picture frame and on in the picture frame was Colin and he was mm. holding up a sign that he had drawn for me that said, my mom is good. Mm. And I'm telling you, every time I tell it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, like it was just, yeah. it was just such a God moment for me, yeah. like in the midst of me feeling like ashamed of myself and guilty and right. I'm such a bad right. mom and I keep getting this wrong in my core, at my core. I am good. My mom is yeah. good. And yeah. and and I think sometimes we need to tell ourselves that like when we're screwing up, when we're making bad decisions, even when we're allowing other people to treat us in ways that we know are less ideal, that we need to remind ourselves of who we really are, that we're not a screw up, that we're not you know, um, easily taken advantage of, that we're not a reject, whatever, all the stuff, you know, that we tell ourselves, but just reminding ourselves that like, take away the circumstance, take away the mistake, take away the heartache. We are good, you know, Mm -hmm. and and God believes in us. And that's the thing is that, you know, God has entrusted us with these problems, you know, because he knows that we are resilient. He knows that we are strong enough to overcome whatever comes our way. And I think that's such a good reminder for us to be like, okay, God, you know, it sounds so cliche, but it's like, if you bring me to it, you'll bring me through it. You you allowed me to come to this fork in the road. You allowed me to come to this problem. And I'm going to trust that you're going to bring me through to the other side. Yeah. And I think that's so true. What you said about remembering that at our core, we're good, because I think if we cling to that, then we, in every situation we encounter, we say, I believe that I can do better. I believe that I can grow. I believe that I can make the right choice and love my people because I know that in the deepest core of my being, like my essence is good. And I think that when we forget that you encounter hard things or you have a bad day or you yell at your kids or whatever. And you're like, well, I'm not like, you just feel so defeated. Like I'm not even going to try because like, I'm not capable of any any better than that, you know? And I think that that's one of the most um, crippling things in motherhood 
are those moments when you're like, I'm not capable anymore. I screw up over and over and over again. Maybe I'm going to screw up forever. And it's very um, demoralizing. Mm -hmm. And I think when we in those moments can return to a place where you say, no, that's not true. Like I can keep trying and I can get better and it might be slow and I might stumble and fall a lot, but like, this is who I am and this is who I want to become. I think that really fuels growth. Yeah. I think one of the things um, looking at your life, you know, and, and, and you being in a place where you can say, this is unexpected. This was certainly not my plan A, but this is a decision that I need to make. I think one of the biggest things that stuck out to me from the book is um, making peace with the unfinished work. You know, all throughout yeah. the book, I never got any tinge of bitterness. There was never any kind of fear. And I'm sure that you have you have had those moments of fear, but it, it's almost like, what, as I was reading Falling Home, I almost felt like it was like an adventure for you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're, in, we're in process. <laughs> this is unfinished. But I'm going to mm-hmm. find, again, those hidden treasures along the every step of the way. I'm going to find my my faith. You know, I'm going to yeah. really fortify that. I'm going to lean into my friendships. And I love how you talk about your friends throughout the book and just what a support that they've been to you through the whole thing. And I just think that so many times, like we're addicted to certainty. Um, Brene Brown has a quote and she says, you know, the opposite of, of faith isn't fear. The opposite of faith is certainty. And I I meditate on that a lot because I think that so often, especially in relationships and especially in marriage, we want certainty. We want to know this person is never going to hurt me. This person is going to do what they say that they're going to do. This person is going to be who they say that they're going to be. And when that doesn't happen, we don't know how to deal because we're so addicted to certainty instead of saying, you know what? This is a disappointment. This was something that was unexpected, but I'm going to learn how to find peace in the unfinished. And I just thought that's such a great lesson that you taught us in this book. Yeah. And I think that the more, as you said in the beginning, the more that we can do the hard thing and we can step out in faith, um, the more you'll see the fruits that come from doing that. And I think you do kind of become addicted to that. You're like, oh, I did this hard thing. And it healed me in this way. I did this hard thing and I'm braver than I used to be. Or I did this hard thing and my kids are flourishing. It's almost like um, exposure therapy, you know, when you have a fear of something and they're like, just keep doing it, just keep doing it. And that, because I've said to my therapist before, like, do you have any secrets you can tell me like, so I can like (laughs) skip some grades. And he's like, you just got to do the work. You got to do it over and over and over again. And I think that's kind of the key. Like you just, even if, if, even if you can only be courageous, like, to a very small degree, the next time you can be a little bit more courageous, you know, and one thing that helps along the way is like each time you do that, you look around on the other side of it and you're like, this good thing came out of it. Like what other good things are waiting for me if I do the hard thing? Mm -hmm. So good. Well, the book is called Falling Home, Creating a Life That Catches You When You Fall. Um, It's available everywhere. Of course, we'll link to it in the show notes um, of the podcast. So Hallie, thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you so much for being a brave example of how to go through unexpected trials and still come out with a smile on your face (laughs) and love and peace in your heart. And to still be able to, like I said, you know, be able to talk about a situation or even a person and not totally (laughs) trash them (laughs) to the world. And so um, how are you doing? How are your kids? We're doing really well. Yeah. And um, 
like I would never want to lie or give people um, the impression that it's easier than it is. It's been really hard, Um, but it's been really hard in a healing way, you know, and um, I feel more optimistic and hopeful and positive and close to God than I've been in decades, you know? So um, in that sense, we're doing really, really well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I certainly appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for all your kindness and for having me. You're so welcome. She's such a treasure. I just met Hallie, actually, but just talking to her, even before we started recording the podcast, there is such a kindred spirit there. And so I just appreciate people who are willing to be real and raw and honest and vulnerable. And so thank you so much, Hallie, for sharing with us a little bit of your inners. You know, you don't have to tell everybody about everything that's going on in your life all the time. But one of the things that I find for myself personally is when I am willing to share about not just my victory stories, but also my transformation process. It is such an encouragement for other people. And so I want you guys to make sure that you check out Hallie's book. Again, it's called Falling Home, Creating a Life That Catches You When You Fall. And of course, I will link to that in the show notes of this podcast. So head on over to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 41, and you'll be able to connect with Hallie there. You'll also be able to see her social media handles and where you can purchase her book. So thanks so much, you guys, for your your patronage. Thank you guys so much for tuning into these shows every week. It is the highlight of my week, honestly, to be able to sit here and have these conversations with these amazing guests who are so open and so willing to share with us these little nuggets that help us in our own journeys, that help us in our own seasons of disappointments, even at times. So I want to also encourage you all, those of you who really know right now you're listening and you know that you need coaching. Listen, this is not about me selling my services to you. This is about me lending a hand and saying, you do not have to walk through life's disappointments on your own. You do not have to walk through relationship trauma or relationship mistakes. You don't have to walk through that on your own. And so if you need a coach, I'm right here in your ear. So go ahead and reach out. You can find all about my coaching services at danashay.com. That's D-A-N-A-C-H-E.com forward slash coaching. So that's all we have for you all today. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already reviewed or rated the podcast, I'd sure appreciate you doing that. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, all you have to do is scroll down and give it a five-star review if you would and write a little note about how this podcast has encouraged you or what you like about it. If you have some improvements or maybe a guest idea that you have, somebody that you would love for me to interview, go ahead and shoot me an email. You can email me right on my website. And that again is Dana Shea. Or, of course, you can always head over to the realrelationshiptalk.com website. Again, the show notes for this show is going to be realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 41. And you'll be able to also shoot me an email from there. I have an incredible week. Remember that life is full of unknowns, but it is also full of hidden treasures. And so find your treasures this week. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Without you. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.